0: We are back in our series in the Gospel of Luke called Jesus Period, uh, where we are just immersing ourselves in the life and the ministry of Jesus. And this section of Luke we're calling The Friend of Sinners. And so we have a story, really it's two stories put together in one today, of some desperate people looking for Jesus. And So my prayer as we hear God's Word and as we spend time together or that we would we would realize just how desperate we are for Jesus. So let's read God's word together Luke chapter 8 starting in verse 40. It says now when Jesus returned the crowd welcomed him for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet he implored him to come to his house for he had an only daughter about 12 years of age and she was dying as Jesus went the people pressed around him and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and though she had spent all her living on physicians she could not be healed by anyone so she came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment and immediately her discharge of blood ceased and Jesus said who was it who touched me When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And while he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, saying, Do not fear, only believe she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter, And John and James, and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking the child by the hand he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned. And she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given to her to eat. And her parents were amazed. But he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for this story here in the Gospel of Luke that reminds us just how desperate we can be in this life and just how amazing Jesus is. So God, would you speak to us through your word? Would you allow my words today to be yours? Would you fill us And fill me with the Holy Spirit today and speak to us in our innermost parts, Lord, so that we might be desperate for Jesus, that we might realize just how desperate we are, and that we might run to Him in our desperation. God, would you speak to us now? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's a desperate situation. That's the title of a Marvin Gaye song. I don't know if you've ever heard it or not. He's upset because the love of his life has left him for another man. He says, I'm without happiness. I'm without tenderness. Without the love we used to share, it's a desperate situation. Oh, it's a lonely world without your loving girl. It's a desperate situation. Now, maybe you've never been in Marvin's shoes where... The love of your life left you for another man and you wrote a soulful song about it. But we all know what it's like to be in a desperate situation, don't we? Maybe you were desperate because you couldn't pay the bills. Or maybe you were desperate because you're about to fail a class at Western. Maybe you were desperate to keep your marriage together. Maybe you felt desperate because you lost your job or... You felt desperate trying to overcome an addiction. Maybe you felt desperate in your struggles as a parent. Whatever the case is, I'm sure that we all, many of us, know what it's like to feel desperate. When we feel desperate, we feel like there's nowhere to turn. When we feel desperate, we feel weak and completely helpless. When we feel desperate, we feel like the waiting is just impossible. When we feel desperate, we feel like there's no hope. I mean, have you ever thought something like this? I've got no one to turn to. Have you ever thought there's no way this is going to get better? Have you ever thought, I don't know how I'm going to make it? Have you ever thought this situation is hopeless? If you've ever felt that way... And I've got good news for you today. You see, we've come to God's word again and we see how Jesus responds to desperate people. We find in our passage two people who are completely desperate for Jesus. And they find in him hope and peace. And so I have two goals for us today as we've come to God's word. First, I want to encourage those of us who feel desperate today. If that's you, and you'd say, yeah, that's me. I feel desperate. Well, Jesus is here for you today. And second, I want to call all of us to grow in our desperation for Jesus. Because the truth is, He alone is the one that we need. So that's my goal today, to help us to be desperate for Jesus. Notice first in our passage that desperate people fall on Jesus. Desperate people fall on Jesus. So we open in verse 40. If you can remember from a couple weeks ago, Jesus has just returned from his trip to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. We saw two stories there, how he calmed the storm for the disciples there on the sea, and how he healed a demon-possessed man. Really, all of these stories are a line of stories that Luke puts here of people who are desperately in need of rescue. And how Jesus shows up and rescues them. And so as Jesus is returning, the man named Jairus comes to Jesus. He is a ruler in the local synagogue that was kind of like a Jewish church, kind of a gathering of Jews. And so this man has some prestige. He's got some significance. I'm sure he was a man of honor. But notice what he does as Jesus comes to him. Luke tells us in verse 41 that he falls at Jesus' feet feet. This would have been somewhat embarrassing, somewhat shameful for a grown man, somewhat undignified for a grown man to be groveling at someone's feet, but he doesn't care. He's a desperate man. He begs Jesus to come to his house because at his house is his 12-year-old daughter and she's dying. And not dying like she's got a few months left to live or we don't know how long it's going to be. She's got minutes left. She's almost gone. You see, Jairus knows she's about to die. And he knows that Jesus is his only hope. He's not here looking for medicine. He's not saying, hey, Jesus, can you pray for my daughter? He wants a miracle. And so here he is falling at the feet of the miracle maker, Jesus. You know, Jairus wasn't the only one to fall at the feet of Jesus. The Gospels are full of all kinds of people who are desperate and they come and fall before Jesus. The sinful woman that we saw earlier in Luke comes and and falls before Jesus, desperate for grace. We read in the Gospel of Mark about a mother whose daughter is possessed by demons and she falls at Jesus' feet, desperate for mercy. We just saw earlier in chapter 8, this man with 6,000 demons in him falling at the feet of Jesus, desperate for deliverance. You see, all of these people were desperate for Jesus. They knew that he was the only one who could help them in their time of need. And do you know what Jesus does when all of these people fall at his feet? He welcomes them. He doesn't say, get away. He doesn't say, what are you doing? Get up. He doesn't look down on them in disgust. He welcomes them and he has compassion on them. Did you know that there is not one story in all four of the Gospels where Jesus turns someone away who comes to him desperate for help? There's not one. There's not one story where Jesus refuses to heal someone. There's not one story where he refuses to forgive someone. There's not one story where he refuses to deliver someone or where he refuses to rescue someone. Every single person who falls at the feet of Jesus in desperation finds a kind and willing Savior. And that's what we find in our story here today. Jairus falling at the feet, desperate for Jesus to heal his daughter. And so kind and willing, Jesus goes with him to heal his daughter. Brothers and sisters, are we falling at the feet of Jesus when we're desperate? Or are we looking somewhere else or something else to help us? Are we turning to the wisdom of the world when we don't know what to do? Are we running to food or alcohol or pills to make us feel better about our situation? Are we drowning ourselves in social media and TV and movies just so we don't have to deal with what's really happening in our lives? Are we falling on anything and everything that this world has to offer us? Or are we falling on Jesus? Are we running to His feet in desperation? Brothers and sisters, Jesus tells us to come to Him when we are burdened and heavy laden. He tells us to come and find rest in him. He says that no one who comes to me will I cast out. He's merciful and mighty. He is compassionate and strong. And he will not refuse anyone who falls on him. So here's one simple thing that we can do this week. Why not literally fall before Jesus in prayer? When is the last time you were on your knees in prayer before Jesus? When's the last time you were on your face in prayer crying out to Jesus? I mean, if you're feeling the weight of desperation today, spend time falling before Jesus in prayer this week. Don't try to plan and and figure it out and muscle through it. Fall on your face before Jesus. Maybe you don't feel very desperate for Jesus. Maybe we don't fall on our knees before Him because we don't think we really need Him. Well, then do that this week. Spend some time on your knees, on your face before the Lord, praying that He would make you desperate for Him. There's no better place for desperate people than falling at the feet of Jesus. So, brothers and sisters, desperate people fall on Jesus. So, let's... Run to him and fall at his feet. That's number one. Number two, desperate people cling to Jesus. So as Jesus is walking with Jairus to his home, the crowds of people begin to press in on him. And Luke tells us in verse 43 that in that crowd, there's a woman who for 12 years had suffered a discharge of blood. She was in a desperate situation. You see, not only did she have to deal with the physical suffering of bleeding for 12 years, but this problem had ruined her life. Luke tells us she had spent absolutely all of her money on doctors and that she couldn't find a single one who could heal her. She was probably not married because of this problem. And she would have been completely cut off from her community. You see, for the Jews... For a woman to bleed like this, she's considered unclean. We read about this in Leviticus 15. And so that means anywhere that she sits is considered unclean. So there's not anybody who's inviting her into their home. It says anybody that she even touches, she makes them unclean. So nobody is going to get near her. See, for most women, this would have only happened for about a week. They would have been unclean. But this woman has been unclean every single day of every single week for 12 years. I mean, can you imagine how many times she must have prayed and prayed and prayed, God, please make it stop. She probably felt like God wasn't listening. Can you imagine how many nights she must have cried herself to sleep thinking that God had forgotten her? I mean, she's desperate, and she has to do something about it. So verse 44 tells us she comes up behind Jesus, and she grabs the fringe of his garment, and immediately her bleeding stops. You see, Jesus was a good Jew, and that meant he would have worn little tassels on the four corners of his clothes, And the prophet Micah tells us that when the Messiah comes, he will rise with healing in his wings, which can refer to those tassels on your clothes. And so this woman is grabbing at the edge of Jesus's garments, trusting that he can bring healing. And he does. But notice what happens next in the story. Jesus says, who touched me? And, and they all deny it. And Peter says to him, I mean, Jesus, you're kind of in a crowd of people, kind of everybody is kind of touching you. Don't don't you see that? And he says, no, someone touched me for power has gone out from me. Now, he's not talking about some sort of superhero power. What Jesus is talking about is the power of the Holy Spirit. All through Luke's gospel, we see that the Holy Spirit is the one empowering Jesus to do ministry and to do miracles and to heal people. And so Jesus knows that the Holy Spirit through him has just healed someone. And so eventually this woman comes and falls before Jesus. And she tells everyone about her problem and how Jesus healed her. And so he looks at this woman and listen to how kind and tender Jesus is. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You see, this woman was desperate for healing, and in her desperation, she touched Jesus. Her faith led her to grab him, to cling to him. You see, desperate people cling to Jesus. This woman knew she was completely helpless unless Jesus would heal her. And friends, we are completely helpless unless Jesus would heal us, unless he would save us. We are completely helpless to save ourselves. We're helpless to rescue ourselves from suffering. We are completely helpless to save ourselves even from death. You see, we might not be bleeding like this woman for 12 years, but we are all just as desperate. And the good news is that Jesus rescues desperate people. The same one who would rescue this woman from her bleeding would bleed for us too. You see, on the cross, Jesus shed his perfect blood so that sinners might be forgiven. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. On the cross, Jesus shed his precious blood so that sinners might be cleansed. For the blood of Jesus God's Son cleanses us from all unrighteousness. On the cross, Jesus shed His powerful blood so that sinners might be ransomed. For Jesus, by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Jesus shed His blood for sinners who know that they are desperate and helpless without Him. I wonder, have you ever been saved by the blood of Jesus? Have you been forgiven? Have you been cleansed? Have you been ransomed for God? If the answer is no. Would you cling to Jesus today? Would you give up any hope of being good enough? That's hopeless. Would you give up any hope of saving yourself? You can't do it. None of us can. Would you cling to Jesus with a helpless desperation? Just like that woman, would you reach out and grab Jesus so that he might rescue you? If you would repent of your sins and believe that Jesus lived and died and rose again for you, he will save you. He will. If you would just humble yourselves and become desperate for Jesus, you can be saved even today, even right now in this moment you've never done that, would you cry out to Jesus? Would you call upon his name so that he might come and save you? I would love to talk to you later about how you can do that today if you've never done that. Come to Jesus. Fall at his feet and cling to him. He's your only help, your only hope of salvation. You see, desperate people cling to Jesus just like this woman Notice how Jesus wants this secret healing to be public. I mean, Jesus could have just let this woman be healed without letting everyone know. I mean, he could have kind of turned to her and winked at her and kind of kept on going to the house. Like, I know what happened. I'm glad you're good. But notice how he wants everyone to know what happens. He wants her to know that everyone knows what happens. And notice how the woman comes trembling before Jesus. She's been exposed. She probably spent those 12 years drowning in a sea of shame and hiding. The fact that she just touched Jesus from behind kind of secretly shows that. But you see, Jesus wants her front and center. He wants everyone to know that that shame is gone. He wants everyone to know that it's her faith that brought healing. And he wants to speak his peace over her. Some of us today might be working really, really hard to hide our desperation. Maybe you're enslaved to pornography and you're hiding it from everyone. Maybe you're dead spiritually on the inside and you're just hiding it from everyone. Maybe you're depressed and you're hiding it. Maybe you're harming yourself and you're hiding it. Maybe you're losing it as a parent and you're hiding it. Whatever it is, maybe you think that being exposed would be the worst thing that could happen to you. Friends, it's the best thing that could happen for you. If you would just step into the light of Christ and let your desperation be known, Jesus can bring healing to you today. He can take away your shame and He can give you peace. So listen, if you're desperately struggling with something today and you're hiding it, step into the light today and tell someone. Find a a brother or a sister in this church and tell them. Find a faithful friend that you love and that you trust and tell them. Bring your desperation into the light. Find a pastor. We've got seven of them in this church. Find somebody and tell them. And as you do, cling to Jesus. I mean, it can be so easy to put on a smile and just fake it as Christians. Jesus is not calling us to fake it. He's calling us to faith. He's calling us to reach out and to to touch him. He's calling us to cling to him and, and to him alone. So cling to his life where he secured our righteousness. Cling to his cross where he purchased our forgiveness. Cling to his empty tomb where he raised for our freedom. Cling to his spirit who has the power to heal us. Cling to his grace that is sufficient for every need. Cling to his love that has made us beloved sons and daughters. Brothers and sisters, desperate people cling to Jesus. So let's realize that we are helpless and let's cling to him together. Number three, desperate people wait for Jesus. So not only do desperate people fall on him and cling to him, but desperate people wait for him. So Luke tells us in verse 49 that while Jesus was speaking, someone from Jairus' house comes to them. And his worst fears have come true. His precious little girl has died. Your daughter is dead, he says. Tell the teacher not to worry about it. Tell him he doesn't have to come. Now we've already read it, so we know what's coming for the end of the story, but I want us just to sit here for a minute. I want us to imagine what Jairus must have felt in that moment. I mean, remember, they're on their way to his house. Like, they're just so close to his house when this woman steps in and stops Jesus from going. I mean, imagine standing there. You're you're Jairus, you're standing there, your daughter's almost dead, and Jesus is talking to this woman. Imagine how your heart would be racing. The anxiety would just be rising. The questions would just be raging in your soul. She suffered for 12 years. Couldn't she wait just a little longer? Why did she have to touch him? Couldn't she have just waited till my daughter was well? And why is Jesus talking to her? Doesn't he know that my little girl is dying? Can't he just talk to her later? And then imagine receiving that news. That Jesus was too late. Your precious little girl is dead. Why, why didn't you just heal her from where you were, Jesus? Why, why didn't you just talk, why didn't you talk to that woman later? And why did you let my little girl die? Why, why did you wait, Jesus? I can't imagine what that must have felt like. To know that Jesus was right there. And that he waited too long. Waiting those few minutes must have felt like a lifetime. Doesn't it feel like a lifetime sometimes when we're waiting on Jesus? Doesn't it just feel, just being honest, that Jesus is taking too long in our lives? Doesn't the waiting for him to work seem almost impossible sometimes? I mean, this is what David felt when when he wrote these words in Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? This is what Habakkuk felt when he prayed this. Oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? This is actually what Mary and Martha said to Jesus when he was too late to save their brother Lazarus from dying Lord if you had been here my brother would not be dead sometimes waiting for Jesus seems almost impossible because the truth is sometimes the miracle doesn't come sometimes waiting for Jesus will mean that we have to wait all the way until the end for him to work Sometimes we might have to wait all the way until the end when he comes again for him to make all things new. I mean, just a few months ago, we lost our brother in Christ, Rick Moore. He suffered through dialysis for over 12 years and the Lord took him home. And so we're going to have to wait until Christ comes again for Rick to be healed. And then early in 2021, our church lost our sweet little ruby Starks. The Lord took her home at 10 weeks old. And we're going to have to wait until Christ comes again for sweet little ruby to be made new. You know, we've all lost loved ones to cancer or heart disease. We, we all know what it is to pray and pray and pray some more. I'm sure many of us have had nights where we cried ourselves to sleep. See, we've all had times when the miracle didn't come. And we're just left waiting on Jesus. And the truth is that waiting can seem impossible. But brothers and sisters, desperate people wait for Jesus. Even when it's hard. Even when it's unbearable. Even when it seems almost impossible. I mean, because what else are we going to do? What else can we do? But wait for him. And friends, the Lord will not always tell us why we're waiting. He may not answer all of our questions. He may not pull out his little book and show us his plans. Here's what's going on, guys. He may never tell us why we have to wait. But Jesus is worth waiting for, He's worth it. So when we surrender to Jesus, we wait for Him. We show just how desperate we are for Him. So we pray waiting for Jesus. We love one another, even when it's hard, waiting for Jesus. We share the gospel, even with the hardest of hearts, waiting for Jesus. We gather together in this place week by week, waiting for Jesus. We sing songs of praise, waiting on Jesus. We say goodbye to our loved ones in Christ waiting on Jesus. And one day we will probably all feel the bitter sting of death waiting on Jesus. But friends, we don't wait in vain. He's coming again and he will make all things new. So we can wait as long as it takes because we're waiting on Jesus. So brothers and sisters, desperate people wait for Jesus. So let's faithfully wait for him. And lastly, number four, desperate people trust in Jesus. So we've come to the end of this story and Jesus hears that the little girl has died. But Jesus looks Jairus in the eyes and says to him, don't be afraid. Do not fear, only believe and she will be well. And so they go to the home, and and Jesus only lets three of his disciples and the parents come into the room. And on their way, Jesus sees all these people around them weeping and mourning the little girl. And he says to them, do not weep. She's not dead, but sleeping. And then they laugh at him. Because she was dead. She was gone. Are you serious, Jesus? You think she's asleep? I mean, how foolish can you be? She's dead. And nothing is changing that. But Jesus knew different, didn't he? He goes into the house and he takes the little girl by the hand. Now, this is surprising because normally touching a dead body would make you unclean. But we've already seen in the Gospels how Jesus can touch the unclean and make them clean. And so we'll see here how Jesus actually touches the dead and brings them life you see with that little girl's dead hand in his Jesus speaks to her and says child arise this is the way that a gentle parent would go into the room early in the morning and wake their child from sleeping sweetie it's time to get up it's time to get up you see the resurrection and the life is standing there this bed and he's got the power to do what only he can do. To turn death back again. To bring life where there is none. To make everything sad come untrue. And so the same word that spoke light into the darkness. Now speaks life into this little girl's dead body. He says there sweetie. It's time to get up. And at once her spirit returns to the body. And she got up just As he said, Jesus is looking around the room at their amazement. He says, what are you doing? Get her something to eat. (laughs) She's been dead. Get her some food. See, this story is asking us, how will we respond to Jesus? Will we give ourselves over to fear and doubt or will we trust Jesus? Friends, desperate people trust Jesus. And just as Jesus called Jairus to believe, he's calling us to believe in him too. Do not fear, only believe. Those are the words that Jesus is speaking over us today. Do not fear, only believe. Jesus is saying to us, trust me when suffering comes. Trust me when you don't have all the answers. Trust me when all hope seems lost. Trust me when you don't know what to do. 2 Chronicles chapter 20 gives us a beautiful prayer from one of Israel's kings. You see, three different nations had combined their armies and they were marching against God's people Israel. And so King Jehoshaphat heard the news. There's no way they're going to be able to fight off these armies. He cries out this long prayer to the Lord. But listen to what he says at the end. He says, Oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. What a beautiful prayer. Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That's the prayer of a desperate person who trusts deeply in the Lord. When we don't know what to do, we fix our eyes, we fix our gaze, we put all our hope on the Lord. Jesus, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Brothers and sisters, let's trust Jesus like that. We might know what to do when it feels like our family is falling apart. We might not know what to do when the doctors can't figure out what's wrong with us or with someone we love. We might not know what to do when our fears and our anxieties are overwhelming. We might not know what to do when we lose someone we love. We might not know what to do, but we know the one who does. We know the one who holds us in his love. We know the one who works all things for our good. We know the one who is gentle and lowly and gives us rest. We know the one who died to save us, the one who rose again to give us hope and to give us life. And we know the one who one day will come again and will bring all of us up from the dead and we will live forever in his glorious kingdom. And since we know Jesus, brothers and sisters, let's keep our eyes on him and let's trust him. Let's put all our hope in him. Brothers and sisters, desperate people trust Jesus. So let's keep our eyes on Him as we trust Him. You know, these stories that we've seen in Luke 8 have been surprising to me. We've been walking through the Gospel of Luke week by week, and so it's not that surprising that Jesus heals this woman, even though that's pretty great. And it's also not even that surprising that He raises this little girl from the dead. He's already done it once before even though that's incredibly amazing. And it's not surprising to me that the people in the Gospels, in their desperation, run to Jesus. What's been surprising to me in this text is how little I run to Jesus in desperation. I think it's been surprising to me how little I run to Jesus. I can be quick to lean on my own strength, I can be quick to lean on my own wisdom. I can can convince myself that I'm really not that desperate. The truth is, I am utterly desperate for Jesus every moment of every day of my life. You see, it's not like I'm doing pretty good on my own, and every once in a while I just need a hand from Jesus, need a little Jesus boost to get me going. I'm desperate for Jesus every moment of every single day i'm desperate for jesus to be a a good husband i'm desperate for jesus to be a good father i'm desperate for jesus to be a good pastor of this church i'm desperate for jesus when i lay my head on the pillow at night and i'm desperate for jesus when my feet hit the floor in the morning i'm desperate for jesus to keep me breathing And I'm desperate for Jesus to keep me believing in him. I'm desperate for Jesus to keep me and to hold me and to love me and to save me. The truth is we are all completely, utterly desperate for Jesus. We always have been, we always are, and we always will be. So brothers and sisters, let's be desperate for Jesus together. Let's run to Him in our desperation together. Let's fall at His feet. Let's cling tightly to Him. Let's wait on Him even when it seems impossible. And let's trust Him. He loves us. He died for us. He rose for us. Let's trust Him together. Friends, every moment is a desperate situation. We might feel like there's no happiness might feel like there's no tenderness we might feel lost in this lonely world but we have jesus we have his love we have his grace we have his peace so let's come desperate to jesus today he will never turn us away let's pray together Father, we thank you so much for your word today, God. And in these two people, we are reminded of how desperate we are for you. We might have ourselves fooled, thinking that we're pretty good on our own. Maybe every once in a while we need Jesus, but your word has reminded us today that we are always desperately in need of Christ. So would you help us to run to him in our times of need? And fall on Him? Would you help us to cling to Him and to Him alone? Would you help us to wait on Him even when the waiting seems impossible? Would you help us to trust Him? Trust Him even when it seems foolish or too hard to trust Him? God, I pray for those here today who don't know Jesus. Would today be the day of salvation? Would they realize that they are desperately in need of His grace and His forgiveness? And would they turn to Him and be saved? And for those of us who have been saved, would you remind us just how desperate we are for Jesus? And would you help us together to run to Him in our desperation? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.